Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 330 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. What's happening out there, folks? Oh, it's opening day. Around here, first day of school. Ah, uh, yes, I think that uh, sort of signifies that summer is officially over. Where did it go? Yes, the wife is uh, all extremely happy today. <laughs> yeah, she's. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm recording this at 5:49 Tuesday, and uh, she's still not home from school yet. So I could imagine the delight that'll be coming through the back door here in a matter of minutes. Good times, good times. Um, no, how you guys doing? Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, well, I got to tell you, before we even, this is big news here, folks. I'm gonna tell you know, I was recognized today. Hold on, I gotta pause it. I gotta make sure because I don't want to screw this up. Hold on. Okay, because I had to, I had to go on my Facebook and let everybody know. Um, on Facebook here. I got a top fan badge. There we go. Just like I was in the Boy Scouts. You earn this badge by engaging with the hockey news and can accept it to stand out from the crowd. The badge will display next to your name when you comment on their posts. Your name and profile photo may also be displayed for you to be publicly recognized. You're also becoming a follower. You'll also become a follower of the Hockey News so you can keep up with their content. Oh, the top fan perks, exclusive and early access to content, summary of activity about the Hockey News. Oh, well, there we go. There, I am a top fan badge. See, well, I've been pumping out their Enforcer Week and doing the lists. There we go. Um, which is hilarious because it's, uh, I mean, obviously this is a Facebook thing and whatever because the only time I've ever actually written to the Hockey News was to shit all over them and tell them how shitty their publications are and uh, what hypocrites they are to do Enforcer Week. That's actually the only thing I've ever written to them on Facebook was basically just calling them out for their hypocrisy of doing Enforcer Week. That was the that was the extent of my lone post. Um, I've shit all over them. Oh, I've had numerous battles on Twitter over the years with their writers. From the Kennedy Geek to fucking Ken Campbell, who sadly I share a fucking network with. Um, who what who would listen to that dorks podcast? I have no idea. I don't think anybody does. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I've fought with Campbell. I've fought with the Kennedy guy. Oh, I fought with numerous of their writers, calling them out on their hypocritical bullshit and just basic overall cluelessness. So yes, but. Uh, I'm a top fan badge there with the, uh, there we go. I got my Boy Scout badge from the Hockey News. So there we go. 
Might have to print that out. Mom might put that on the fridge, you know? Yeah. But, uh, well, folks, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, on your, well, it feels weird because it's Tuesday, right? Yeah, obviously, Monday with the holiday and stuff. You get always the short week here. But we still got a Wednesday commute to get through. So that's why I'm here, to get you through the commute. That is the old, that is the sole reason for this podcast. Well, there, Nick gives me something to do in the basement and yell and scream. But, um, yes, the show exists for that, for that lone reason. For the commutes. And so you can hide in your cubicle, like I always say, eating your, eating your ramen noodles and, uh, avoiding Martha. She's going to talk to you about the book club meeting over the weekend and, uh, and her cat's rash and that sort of thing. So, uh, put your headphones in. I hope your, the hope they're Raycon earbuds. Put those in. I tried to give you guys a deal on the Raycons. 50, I tried to get you 15% off. THPN promo code. I hope you took advantage of it. You know, that way Raycon will give the, the network some more money. Plus, you will have, uh, an excellent set of, they're good. Believe me, they are good. Uh, you will have an excellent, uh, earbuds to, to listen to this smooth, what did, what did Lazito say? It was the smooth sound, sexy sounding voice. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of the, uh, the Barry White of the Hockey Podcast Network. That's not true at all, actually, my voices. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, well, I guess whenever you listen to yourself, I guess when anybody listens to themselves on tape, they always, you don't like the way you sound. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I think Alec has a much better speaking voice than Joe and I, uh, but he's never you know when he does when he gets around to it on his quarterly monthly at his monthly podcast. Oh yeah, he's sitting there driving around taking selfies in his new in his Barbie Jeep here. Yeah, with his with his shades on and yeah, cool guy. Yeah, he he might get around to recording tonight. We'll see. He he wasn't sure. Uh, what is it? The f- four horsemen, Joe, it's becoming three and a lame one. I'll tell you, I don't know. Two, one, one doesn't, ha- one's out in the rigs. He's working for a living. He can't record. The other guy's driving around in his, uh, in his dream Jeep there taking selfies. It's just you and I with a lone gunman here on the plane here. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, and that, I mean, there you go. The network's relying on Lazito and I to bring home the uh, the uh, enforcer content around here. Hard times, I'll tell you. Well, we're going to try our best here, folks. Speaking, <coughs> speaking of Jolton Joe, he has released part two with Ken McCray and Off the Island. Uh, you know, of course, Joe is known, actually, as the New Coliseum Chronicles as an Islander enforcer podcast. Tremendous back catalog, Dakota, Dean Ewan, Asham, Strudwig, all that sort of fun stuff, Islander related. Um, but he also goes, as he quote, air quote, off the island when he'll talk to guys. And Ken McRae is one of them, former, uh, he was in the Nordiques organization and, and Leafs. And, uh, yes. So check that out. Part two with Ken McRae. Uh, yes. And then, of course, like I said, Alec, when he gets around to it, he has he has an excellent podcast as well. Great great uh, back catalog by Lois Rob Ray. Oh yeah, he's talked to a few folks. Um, I, I'm not sure what his latest episode is going to be. Uh, might be it might be a little East Coast preview type show. You have to tune in and find out. He's supposed like I said, he's supposedly recording tonight, so we'll see what happens. 
But, uh, yeah, there you go. Hockey Podcast Network, folks. Over 100 shows in the network. Tune in. Oh, yeah. Well, to, uh, to be actually completely honest, I... Uh, I don't have much well, with the long weekend. Of course, I you know I worked all long weekend. Um, between working and uh, the sister-in-law's birthday and everything else, um, didn't have a lot of time to set things up. Uh, so you're, uh, I'm going to earn my top badge again. We're going to. I I'm having so much fun though doing these hockey the the hockey news lists. Their top five enforcer list. I can't help myself. Because they didn't do every team. They did about 14. So we're slowly going through two at a time here. And, uh, oh, I got a good one with the Seattle. When, when we get to that. I mean, you're sitting there thinking, how the hell can Seattle have an enforcer list? Oh, they don't. But uh, I'll throw that little gem at you on the side. Uh, that nerd. You know, oh, perfect fit for the hockey news, that guy. Um, cause, uh, but anyway, so... I'll tell you this last couple last couple episodes with the lists and everything. I mean, this is like the the great time of the season for Tim. I'm telling you because it's just been list after list, you know. So he's just in his glory over there. So Tim, we got to get you on for some ten rapid fire. That's what we got to do. That's going to be my. Uh, I love those 10. I actually really enjoy the 10 rapid fire episodes. I really do. Because not only do I get to talk to a fellow fan, but, you know, it's just, well, and it's like you never know where the answers are going to go, right? So, and then you can kind of veer off from there and, you know, so, and and riff off of their answers, as the kids say, so to speak. So, I actually really enjoy that that segment. So, I'll, I'll have to get some more of the boys on, I think. So, not I think, I know I will. But uh, let's get into this list, shall we? I got to earn my top badge here. We're uh, we're we're moving quick here on a Tuesday. Okay, we're back. Well, so what up? Uh, what t- I have decided to do the Edmonton Oilers and uh, Nashville Predators. I think that'll that'll be the uh, that'll be the list for today. Um, so uh, here we go. The five best fighters in Oiler history. The fourth week at the Hockey News. Here's the top five fighters. And the, the Edmonton Oilers have had some major heavy, major heavyweights play for their organization. In recent years, Lucic and Cassian and Pat Maroon have donned the Oilers crest as the muscle to the high-end skill of Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Well, all right. Well, you got Lucic, uh, Cassian and Maroon. I, uh, all right. Well, okay, it's 8 o'clock, because again, I've not reviewed these lists. I'm discovering them with you. I know I always say that, but just for the new listeners out there, I have not looked at these lists ahead of time. I want to discover them with you, the listeners, so then my reaction is genuine. So we're going to go all the way down to the bottom, because I know these guys like to go 1 to 5, and I like to go 5 to 1. So I'm going to close my eyes. I'm not looking. We're scrolling down. Okay. Okay, now we got to scroll back up to get to the... No, I don't want that little video. Okay, here we go. We got to get to uh, number five here. This is now. This article is written by Caleb Kearney. He's a site editor and reporter for the Edmonton Oilers team site with the Hockey News. A resident of Edmonton, Caleb has spent a year writing about hockey. In his spare time, he spends time in his spare time. He spends time with his wife and two children while playing fantasy hockey. All right. Well, there we go. See Kearney. We're gonna Caleb. We're gonna see what you got here. All right, number five. All right. 
right, all right, all right. Louis DeBrusque. There we go. Before he was an announcer for the NHL broadcast, he played in the league for many years. He spent six seasons with the Oilers and left his mark on the team in the form of penalty minutes and fights. DeBrusque played 228 games with the Oilers and fought 72 times. But one per four, one fight per four games played. He never played a full season throughout his entire career. If he had been able to stay healthy more, he would have worked his way higher onto the list. Um, played 401 games though, so he gets full pension. Um, old Louis, uh, he came up, he actually, uh, DeBrus came up with a lot of, um, uh, well, actually, a lot of fanfare. I mean, to us fight geeks, he did. Um, he had a big reputation coming out of the Ontario Hockey League when he played for the London Knights. Um, again, that was not, there was not a lot of footage back then. We're talking early nineties, uh, OHL footage. There isn't a lot of, but, uh, from talking to the boys that were around the OHL at the time. Yeah. DeBrusque. I mean, I've seen some of his OHL stuff. Um, but he's just a, oh, DeBrusque's a huge dude and was a big weightlifting dude, power guy. Uh, apparently he's got like a 500 or at one time had like a 500 pound bench press or something ridiculous. Um, like, was definitely known as one of the strongest guys and the, definitely the strongest guy on the team. Um, I mean, he still looks good when you see him now. Um, you know, obviously his kid, you know, genetically, uh, you know, please playing in the NHL too, old Jake there. Um, definitely, I guess you could say he didn't get his father's hands. Um, but yeah, DeBrusque, uh, you know, I, I don't know. He has mentioned that, um, he just, he just didn't really enjoy the role. Because when I mean, he played in London, he had like thir- like you know thirty goal seasons and shit. Like he wasn't just like the two shift guy. Um, and I get and at the NHL level, he kind of always wanted to you know sort of prove himself and and that type of thing. And uh, you know was not given a, a lot of opportunity to do so. And I think that kind of really bothered him. You know, and that and that was just the way back then. I mean, you know, um, like I believe Alex Stoyanov said something sort of similar and. Uh, you know, and Antoski and those guys. I mean, they knew what they were there. They knew they had to fight and, and that type of thing. But, you know, you, you kind of want to play with the little black thing rolling around too every once in a while. And uh, I don't think they were really given that opportunity. And I think it was just sort of, um, you know, when DeBrus came up really young, I don't, I know he played in Cape Breton a little bit. Um, but I don't think he spent like a real, like early in his career. Like I know at the end he bounced around the IHL and stuff like that. You know, you're, you're just trying to hang on to the game, but... Um, I know early up when he got called up, uh, right out to junior, um, he, I don't remember him spending a lot of time in Cape Breton. Maybe, maybe I, again, this is all off the top of my head. I'm not, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, but, you know, heavyweight guy fought, you know, good fight card, fought everybody. What, you know, probably wasn't the most exciting. I don't remember DeBrus being a real big toe to toe guy. I mean, he's, he's much more of kind of a grappler in tight guy. But, uh, yeah, certainly a tough dude, without a doubt. Um, there you go. All right. Um, you know, going forward, we'll see what this list produced. Uh, you know, Edmonton's had some tough casts roll through, for sure. So, all right. Here we go. Number four. Right. You know, Caleb, you're, you're, you're Kevin McClellan. Uh, Kevin McClellan played for the Oilers uh, for seven seasons, uh, 83 to 90. And that, those times, he fought 91 times, third most amongst the Oilers. He won four Stanley Cups in the organization, played an important depth role, and had at least 200 minutes in four straight seasons with the Oilers. Yeah, McClellan was awesome. Lefty, really underrated. Like, I think when you get into that whole Semenko, McSorley, that type of... McClellan, McClellan was a solid player, too. Um, Yeah, he, uh, yeah, just really flies under the radar. 
You know, and I mean, and back then those Oilers teams were so stacked. I mean, obviously you have Gretzky and Curry and Coffee and like all those guys, but like I think McClellan was, you know, in there on the third line. Um, I think probably about a 10 goal guy, if, if memory serves. I mean, could certainly, I know how to coming out of junior, I think in junior he, he put up a fair amount of points. Um, I think he was an Ontario guy. And, well, I know he was an Ontario guy. And, uh, yeah, solid player, left hand, uh, you know, uh, some great tilts though. Uh, actually, uh, John Cordick's first, uh, first NHL fight in McClellan. It's on, go on YouTube, look that one up. Cordick and McClellan, awesome fight. Yeah, toe to toe wars. Um, you know, I think you got Paul Baxter, you know, shit like that. Right in there in the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, I love me some Kevin McClellan. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, good pick, good pick. Number three. Kelly Buckberger. Buckberger is a fierce Donations competitor. He has at least twice as many games over his career than Semenko and LaRock. His 134 fights make him the most experienced fighter to ever play for the Oilers. I always liked Buckberger. Um, heart and soul guy. Again, another guy, better player, I think, than he got credit for. Um, you know, uh, I think he had a 20 goal season once, I believe. Um, yeah, well, like I said, how many games did he play at the Oil? Uh, well, it didn't say how many games he played for the Oilers. Um, but he had a hell of a career, thousand game guy. Um, again, real solid mucker grinder. Uh, well, hell, he wore the C with the Oilers at one time. Um, in terms of his fighting ability, uh, you know, I, you know, it's no, you know, a bit of, again, bit of a catcher. Um, you know, he he took some shots, but. Uh, Fearless, I'll give him that. Like, he fought everybody, and he fought wide open. Um, ate some bombs, would throw wild haymakers, uh, with no, no defense in his fights at all. Um, yeah, I was always a fan of Buckberger. He, um, you know, again, was he a great fighter? Well, no. I mean, you know, I again, I guess, as I've been saying with these, with these lists as we've been doing them, um... It's all in your wording and how and how your what your criteria is for the list. It's like, okay, is he? Are these guys? It's like, okay, it's the best f- guy with the best fighting skills to ever wear the jersey. Well, then no, Buckberger wouldn't be on the top five list of the Oilers. Um, is it? Well, he's on there because he has the most fights as an Oiler. Well, okay, but that doesn't make him the best fighter. He just has the most fights. So is it the most active or like the guy that threw down most for the team or? You know, it, it's all, you could, I mean, you could use all these different sort of criteria. If we're going to just say that, like, the best five fighters to ever wear an Oiler uniform. No, then Buckberger would not be on the five list. I know where this guy's going with this, though. And it's like, okay, you know, he, you know, he's the all-time fight leader with the Oilers and played there forever and was fearless, fought every, you know, okay, I get it. But in terms of pugilistic ability, I certainly would not have him in front of Kevin McClellan. Or Louis DeBrusque, for that matter. Um, but, in saying that, am I mad that... Like, if I... Well, I'm not mad. You know, I, these lists... Actually, the shittier the list, the more funny I think they are. But, I mean, am I mad that Buckberger's on the list? No, not at all. Um, but, I'm just... It depends what criteria we're going with. But I'm down with Buckberger. I'm alright with Bucky. Uh, number two... George LaRock. Uh, LaRock's my 
George LaRock was my generation's Oilers and Forrester. I grew up watching him engaging in entertainment scraps with other heavyweights in the league. He was never malicious, despite what you might think about a player with over 100 career fights. He, he was a heart and soul player for the Oilers. He contributed to this scrappy identity of the team. Second all-time in fights for the Oilers and wasn't afraid to drop the gloves. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if I was say if I was making the list, like as as I said, right, just right with the Buckberger thing. If I'm making a list of the best five fighters with the Edmonton Oilers, LaRock is my, my number one guy because um, he's in my top five, probably top three of all time in ter- of all time enforcers, not Oilers, but just all time enforcers. Uh, George is a bad dude and probably could count on one hand the amount of losses he had. Um, I never saw him really take a real huge beating. Some dole a few out. Uh, my only criticism of George is, and this guy even brought it up here, was yeah, it was never malicious. Well, that doesn't really make you a great enforcer, then, you know, in my opinion. Um, now, I'm sure there were some people just dying to push the Oilers around when LaRock was there, but I think George could have been a little, definitely could have been a little meaner. And I've said on this show numerous times, his that whole mic'd up good luck, man, with Ivan Ez or whatever was the stupidest shit that I've ever heard. And, um, you know, and his whole smiling in his square. I don't, you know. Now, again, it wasn't that he was going playing patty cake after he grabbed the guy and started hitting him. But it was just like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, when I think of, uh, you know, McClellan and guys like this, like, they were mean and they meant that shit. And, you know, and then you got George smiling and wishing people good luck and just kind of, eh, okay, you know, whatever. But when you're just, but at the end of the day, when you're looking at re- results, George got him. Although I do laugh. It's the hockey news. It's the Edmonton Oilers. So they, I mean, they got a picture of the guy and then the write-up. Well, they got LaRock in a, in a Penguins uniform fighting Brashear. They got Buckberger in a Trashers uniform. They don't even have a picture of McClellan or DeBrusque. I mean, oh, Jesus, the hockey, like, couldn't afford the Getty or what? Like, really, just do goddamn Google search. I mean, it's not hard. Like, okay, really? Couldn't find a picture of those guys in an Oiler uniform? Uh, whatever, the hockey is the Bible of hockey, folks. But this is how I earn my top badge. Anyway, who's number one? Who would your number one oiler be? I'm assuming it's Semenko or McSorley. Semenko. Well, I'm Marty. Okay, well, we'll get to the admissions here later. But Dave Semenko, if you ask anyone watching hockey in the 80s, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't mention Dave Semenko in the same breath as Wayne Gretzky. It's rare to find an enforcer on the top line of a dynasty such as the Oilers in the 80s, but that's where you would find Semenko most nights. Many speculate the Oilers wouldn't have won their first two cups if it wasn't for the muscle of Semenko. Every other enforcer on this list engaged in more fights, but few matched the heart and grit that defined him as a player. Um, yeah, I mean, Semenko... Um, was definitely not a volume guy. Was definitely uh, it was quality over quantity. Um, but massive dude uh, was mean. Knew the role of the enforcer. Would cross that path when or cross the line when you needed to, and would inflict. Like there's stories of him just going by the other team's bench, and it's just like, are we going to do this all night, or what are we going to do? And it would just quiet everything down and we can go about playing hockey. Which is the entire point of the Enforcer. Um, many, I was going to say a few episodes back. Yeah, a few episodes. Yeah, about 200 back. Um, I, I get off the top of my head. I can't obviously recall the, the episode number. 
But if you want to look it up, it's it's called the Dave Semenko special. It's right there in the title. And I had Luciano on, who runs the Dave Semenko uh, fan page on Facebook. Good dude, great guy, really in depth. Null you know, Semenko's his guy, so I mean he's done all the research and everything else, and, and covers great pictures and some videos and stuff. And and uh, I, I mean, obviously I knew Semenko and I'd seen video, but. I, I, and I had read his book, looking up for number one, if you have an opportunity to pick that book up. It was written years ago, but if you have a chance to get it, get it. It's really good. Um, well, and it was right after he had passed away, and I wanted to do kind of a special episode on him. And um, I believe it was right when he passed, or it was his anniversary, one of the two. And um, anyway, I uh, so I wanted to have Luciano on, and... and uh, yeah, and we talked for about an hour and a bit, and he was re- he had a lot of really good insights on Semenko and and uh, brought up a lot of good points, brought up some great stories that you know I had never heard, and I'm sure my listeners hadn't really heard. Um, it was a really great episode, and I really recommend you guys listen honestly to go back and check it out because it was it's really informative. And as he pointed, as Luciano pointed out in the episode, um, I think the problem with Semenko, and I think what a lot of people. Um, they never really saw his best stuff. Like he was in the WHA, you know, late seventies and then early eighties. A lot of that, a lot of his Euler footage isn't out there. And we're talking like a real young, hungry lion, prime Semenko when he's just laying waste to guys. Um, you know, there is not a lot of footage out there. And the stuff you see is sort of the dynasty Euler, mid Oilers, you know, the battle of Alberta stuff with Hunter. And then all of a sudden he's in Toronto and Hartford and then his career is kind of over. So we never really saw the real good stuff from the WHA and the, you know, when Semenko, when you hear the crazy stories and penalty box fights and all that stuff. Um, so, which is unfortunate that that video is not out there. But, uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, they go to YouTube and they see sort of the aging Semenko or, you know, the fights with Probert or whatever. And they're like, all right, he's nothing, you know, and it's like, well, you know, go back, you know, seven or eight years from that and then. Uh, and Semenko talks about it in his book. He had an off-ice drinking issue and stuff like that. And and when he left Edmonton, I think he really lost the passion for the game. That was really sort of beaten out of him. So he never, when he was in Toronto and Hartford, that's that's not Semenko. That's a shell of what he was. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, tremendous. So while well, there, yeah. So, but anyway, go back and check out that, that, uh, if, uh, that episode. Cause I, I think you'd find it really informative. Um, well, there's the Oilers list. Ah, uh, not bad. Uh, you know, I, you got to have Marty on there. I mean, you have to have McSorley. Um, Dave Brown. I mean, see, this is where we go. I mean, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of oh, Buka Boom. Um, not like Gazdick, Lucic, uh, Lucic and Cassian. They didn't do a lot of fighting. Um, Gazdick was really good. Uh, you know, product of his environment, of course. It wasn't like he was putting up massive fight totals, but I did that player spotlight on Gazdick and he was really good. Um, well, Steve McIntyre, there we go. Again, not there for very long, basically a season, but, you know, again, this is what I say. Are we talking about actual pugilistic abilities? Well, yeah, I would have McIntyre in front of Buckberger, you know. So, um, Euler list, if I was doing it, LaRock would be one. Um, I'd probably have Semenko at two, Marty at three. 
Actually, I'd probably have Marty at two and Semenko at three. Eh, well, again, but then I go back to what I was saying earlier. Didn't see the good stuff. Either or, Semenko, Marty, two, three. Um, Dave Brown. Uh, oh, well, shit, Dave Brown now. Yeah, I'd still have... I'd, because I'm going by the time, not just they're over. Because overall, I have Brown on my top five of all time too. But in his tenure with the Oilers, although he was good with the Oilers, nah, damn, damn, now, like, yeah, maybe I go LaRock. I'd still go Samanco. Maybe then Brown, then Marty, then at the five spot. Yeah, I mean, you could throw in a DeBrusque. Or no, McClellan. I mean, oh yeah, McClellan, DeBrusque, Gazdick. If you want to get newer stuff. Yeah, so it's it's tough, man. I mean, you got to do a list. The Oilers have had some tough cats roll through town, but overall, this I would not shit on the. I would not say this is a shit list. I wouldn't. Um, I get where he was going with the Buckberger thing. Um, again, it's all in your wording and how you you're going to perceive the list. But uh, not having Brown and Marty on there was, uh, you know, especially Marty. Um, although now that you think about, now that I think about it, it's it. Trying to think when Marty Marty really actually now because he always sort of assumed oh he was in Edmonton forever well, not really I mean I know he went back to Edmonton but he really wasn't you know he wasn't the Marty then as he was before but, but what was he there for like three years initially with Edmonton and then went to L A like his best stuff was in L A for sure and he came back to Edmonton yeah nah I'd probably I'd still have him in there though but anyway we could we could debate this forever couldn't we. Um, but there you go. There's your Edmonton Oilers list. Eh, not bad. Like I said, not bad. I won't, Caleb, I won't, uh, I won't get on Twitter or X, pardon me, not Twitter, X, and, uh, and chastise you. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here in DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving you a can't miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use the code THPN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, Boyd in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Okay, well, that's there we go. We got the Oilers here. Oh, yeah, okay, I promised you the Seattle. I kept scrolling. When I was doing the list, I was scrolling through and, like, not looking at the lip, but, like, the links... And they had Seattle. I'm like, what? what's at the Kraken? Why are they on here? And then I had to click on it. Oh, well, there you go. What in hockey news? 
I mean, it's enforcer week, but you gotta have, like I said before when I've been doing these lists, they always gotta shoehorn that, well, there isn't really fighting anymore. They gotta put that in every article. Oh, here you go. The the Kraken have thrived without an enforcer is the title. Well, there are no enforcers anymore, but written by Glenn Dreyfus. Oh yeah, Seattle's winning by committee succeeds through toughness, not goonery. Oh, thanks, Glenn. Yeah. The Hockey News has declared this Enforcer Week. Each each Hockey News team site has been tasked with naming their top five all-time fighters. Well, not all of them did it, but okay. But the Seattle Kraken are, you know, just two seasons old in an era which has devalued Enforcers. So instead, my contribution below is intended as a respectful counterpoint. Oh, of course. We have to have the counter... We're having Enforcer Week, but we... You're... It count, your your counterpoint is the other 51 weeks of the fucking year. That's your counterpoint, you fucking clown. But even during Enforcer Week, we gotta have some clown fucking write that, oh yeah, we got, we have no more guns, thankfully. I'm not gonna try to convince you that celebrating Enforcers is an, out, is, is an outdated idea, given what we know now. I'm gonna let two former Enforcers do it for me. Alan Globinski, I... You know what? I have never. He has a book out. My life is a hockey for I've never heard of you. No disrespect, but I mean, Allen spent parts of three seasons in the mid seventies in the Nordiques of the WHA. All right, I I don't. Okay, so him and I guarantee it's probably as a Jim Tom. There we go. Yeah, I was gonna say Jim Thompson. He loves to make the rounds and cries about fighting. And Thompson did do a bunch of fighting. I'll give him that though. I laughed though when he was on the he was on uh, off the record with Michael Landsberg on TSN a bunch of years ago. It was a it was him and Twist and Chase and someone else. There was like four him and three other fighters on the on the show. Might have been Probert actually. No, I don't think it was Probert. Anyway, it was Twist and Chase for sure. I know that. Um, oh yeah, I, I noticed Jim didn't knock fighting men. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he seemed to keep quiet about it. In fact, he was laughing about it and telling some fight stories. So, I don't know. I've seen an interview with him when he tells some fight stories and, and then other times he's crying about there shouldn't be fighting and whatever. It's, he's just wishy-washy. It's whoever he's talking to and, oh, can I get on your show? You know, so Jim, get, get Jim some press. I laugh. He followed, like Thompson followed me on Twitter. I don't know if he still does, but I just laughed. Of all of all the guys to follow me, I, it cracked me up, and uh, that he would follow the fourth line voice account. If any, and, but he never said anything to me. Like he never, oh, this is terrible or anything. But I mean, I don't know. He sure likes to cry about fighting, but you wouldn't have made the NHL without it, Jim. But I don't know. I didn't realize you were held at gunpoint to do it, though. But anyway. Who did I say the other team we were doing was? Oh, Nashville. All right, where is it here? Now, oh, now I can't find it. Nashville, where are you? There we are. <clears throat> the top five enforcers in Predators history. Well, Nashville is focusing on getting faster as they start a new chapter. The Predators still appreciate a brawl on Broadway. Here are the five. Here are five of Nashville's most frequent fighters. Oh, by Ann Kimmel. Oh, there we go. Well. The last gal there that did the avalanche one, she was she was really solid. So let's see what old Ann has to say here again. I gotta close my eyes, scroll down to the bottom because they like to go five to one. What is it? oh Ann is the site editor and reporter for the National Predators team site for the hockey. He's a resident of Nashville. 
uh, and has spent the last four years as a writer and podcaster covering the Predators. Oh, well, I should get her on the show. But she isn't watching hockey and consuming a plethora of other sports action and can be found enjoying musical theater. Uh, well, the NHL's right up your alley then. And her glory days as a state champion and a black belt in MMA. Admiring every dog she encounters and quoting the West Wing. You could follow her on Anna K. Mama on Ice on Twitter. Well, I better watch my mouth. Fucking black belt in MMA. Anna will come over here and throw hands. Um, all right, we're going to the bottom here. We've got to work because, like I said, they like to go one to five. I'm going five to one. Oh, and throw out some honorable mentions. Uh, Mark Bowicki, Darcy Hoder, Chuck Richard Clune, Jeremy Stevenson, Wade Belak, and Scott Walker. Uh, those are honorable mentions. Well, holy shit. This must be quite the top five. If those guys can't even crack it. Um, you don't have Hoder, Chuck, and the Predator. All right. Okay, well, here we go. Number five. <laughs> Tanner Janot. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, uh, undrafted, Janot may, may not have as many fights under his belt as some of the other Predators, but 26-year-old press fans of his willingness to engage even a veteran enforcer like Ryan Reeves, the Oxbow Saskatchewan native, oh, he's a Sasky boy, I can't knock him too much, I guess, but eh, is built like a heavyweight, throws punches like one as we are earning the nickname, the Oxbow Ox. Oh, that's a mouthful there. Uh, the fearlessness Janot plays with is one the reason General Manager David Poley protected Janot uh, in the 21 Kraken uh, and expansion draft over more finesse players like Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Also part of why the Tampa Bay Lightning traded away five draft picks and Cal Foote to get the grit and physicality on the roster back in March. Um, no, I... Okay, like, I mean, you're putting Tanner Janot in front of, like, everybody I just named in the honorable mentions. Um... To be completely honest, I will not sit here and uh, and act like a Jano expert because I'm certainly not. Um, now, if I'm on social media and obviously a fight happens and I'm not watching any of the games, but if a fight happens, I'll tune in and see and watch it. And you know, oh, what, what's it? Oh, it's uh, you know, uh, um, Reeves fighter, a Wilson fighter, you know, whoever. Um, Delorier, stuff like that. Yeah, I'll watch it. Ross Johnston. I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, I'm never watching hockey again and screw these guys. Like, no, I'll watch it if it comes across. Um, Tanner Janot has never left an impression on me in terms of his fighting ability. So, um, I, I like, I think Reeves just shit canned him, didn't he? Like, you know, I don't. No, okay, we're done talking with Tanner Janot. No, I'm not knocking the kid, whatever he plays, and okay. But I mean, if we're doing a list of top five fighters, and I can't... If you're on a list of the top five fighters on a team, and I can't think of one specific fight that you've been in that like crosses my mind, new or old, you probably shouldn't be on there. But anyway, number four. Well, at least in this one, they have an actual picture of him fighting with uh, Nashville. Number four. Scott Hartnell. <laughs> oh, and come on now, you're you're killing you're killing me here. Uh, Hartnell's career began and ended with the Predators. There are plenty of plenty of fisticuffs in his NHL debut and retirement in Nashville. Drafted six overall by the Predators in 2000, Hartnell was a uh, gritty power forward at six two Saskatchewan native. I will say we're going with the Saskatchewan boys here. Uh, 
He may not have always won his bouts, but he never hesitated to drop or throw in later seasons. The gloves. Hartnell racked up over 1,800 penalty minutes in 1,200 career games, including bouts while playing with the Flyers and Columbus Blue Jackets as well. Uh, again, no. Uh, well, she's got it listed. He played 498 games. He had 26 fights with Nashville. I can't remember a single goddamn Scott Hartnell fight. I remember watching him in Prince Albert. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously a solid player got taken in the first round and everything else. Um, I, what, what heavyweight did Hartnell ever beat up that would get him on a list of the top five? Again, you're putting him in front of like Hordachuk and Belak and Jeremy Stevens and Scott Walker and you're going with Scott Hartnell? Eesh. Boy, oh boy. We're, uh, I gotta say, we're 0 for 2 here. We're not even talking foul balls. Like, you didn't even get a piece of these. 0 for 2. Your honorable mentions, you're, 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 you're not using that right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what, uh, what number, what number 4 is. Um, I'm actually pretty, oh, they don't even have a picture of Hartnell. Alright. Like I said, the hockey news just didn't, like, half-ass in these enforcer lists, I'm telling you. They don't even have pictures. Who, that's not Hartnell. I don't even know who that is. Number, who the fuck is 51? I don't know. I, like, I know Hartnell because he has, like, sideshow bob hair. I was never a Scott Hartnell fan. Uh, anyway. Uh, number three. Austin Watson. Hmm. Well, Predators fans might say Watson didn't win a majority of his fights he engaged in. Nashville's 2010 first-round pick never hesitated to drop the gloves. Ann Arbor native uses playing physicality and his willingness to go to bat for teammates as a way to earn minutes as a fourth-line winger. He was continued his fighting ways since being traded to Ottawa in October 2020, where he has recorded another 26 fights. Yeah, uh, he's not good. I've, I've watched... Um, Yeah, what what are we doing here? Like, again, you have Austin Watson in front of Hordachuk and Scott Walker and Wade Belak and like, holy shit! Like, I I will give him credit for with the the one thing I will give Watson credit for is I believe his fight card actually like again product of the environment, but I believe when he came up, I don't know why there, I read an article about him or it was a video. Because again, I don't like. Well, for everybody listening, the regular listeners know I don't. I stopped watching hockey like over a decade ago, um, so I'm not. You know, I, I I can't quote Austin Watson's fight card chapter and verse, but it's. Uh, I've seen him. I, I I it was either an article I read or a YouTube video that I watched, and it was something about enforcers or five up and comer, whatever the hell it was. But I mean, they basically talked about how he never fought in the Ontario League. He he had like a couple fights before joining the NHL, and in order to stay with the NHL, he really because I think he's a fairly big dude. Realized much, uh, you know, that he had to fight if he was going to stay in the NHL, and he has done that. Because um, while well, they had thirty three fights in Nashville, he's had twenty six. Yeah, you know, so we're looking, you know, fifty some fights in his career. You know, in this day and age, yeah, you know, it's not bad. Um, and I and I remember like he's he's fought like Haley and Reeves and like a number of like top guys. I don't think he won, but he just certainly didn't win any of the fights. I watched him, uh, in this clip. He was, just, he was getting pumped, but, um, he was, he's like number 83 or something. I'm like, what, what's with the goofy numbers? 
Um, but it was like, uh, I respect the fact that in order to stay in the league, he, 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 he decided to fight because that's not an easy decision. Not everybody can do it. Um, it's much like, uh, last week when I talked about Bissonette and stuff like that, Bissonette wasn't a huge fighter when he came up either. Now he had more than one fight, but I mean, you know, but he realized early on in his minor league career that if he's going to make the NHL, he's going to have to start fighting. And so to turn, it's not like it just, Oh, I'm going to fight now and I'm going to turn that switch. No. So, I mean, the mental preparation you have to go through and the anxiety that you go through in the role, um, I commend all these guys. I mean, uh, you know, we we'll, we have the list and we make fun and whatever, but you know, all these guys and earlier, you know, I, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not knocking the athletes or whatever to, to drop the gloves takes balls. I, I don't care who you're fighting or how many fights you've been in or how few fights you've been in. The fact you went and did it. Absolutely. So let's, we'll straighten that out. I'm going to preface that. We'll start with that. That, that, although that shouldn't be said or need to be said. Um, but, uh, as we sit here and we do our lists and we talk about the guys, um, like I said, when you have Hordachuk and Belak and these guys and your honorable mentions and you're throwing out Austin Watson, yeah, no. Again, I respect the fact that he did what he had to do to stay in the league. Absolutely. But, yeah, no. And, I'm telling you, you're, uh, you're 0 for 3. This is actually the worst list yet, I think, out of the ones that we've done. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Here we go. Let's see what let's see what's around the corner here. Number two. Ah, okay. You, you got my attention back here, Anne. Uh, Pat Cote. There you go. Uh, sheer quantity earns Cote a spot on the list that is short two-season stint with the Predators. 98 to 2000. This Quebec native dropped the gloves 41 times in 91 games. Two memorable fights came against the Grim Reaper uh, in Cote's first season with the Predators. Uh, Cote made an impression uh, November 27th, 98 battle summed up by the play-by-play announcer who remarked, I said the Predators didn't have an answer for Stu Grimson. I was wrong. Cote played 70 games with the Predators in 98-99, racked up 242 minutes. At thinking about what he had done in the penalty box that season, his six-year NHL career ended in 01 with 105 games played and 50 fights. Um, yeah, of course, he had the, the drug bust in the border, and that that ended his career. But, um, yeah, again, no picture of Cote, seriously. Um, yeah, Cote was a bad dude. I could definitely see him being on a Predators list for the short, even the short time he was there. Um, great fights. Awesome rookie year. Led the NHL in fights. Did great. Yeah, great fight with Sandy McCarthy. Great fight with Rob Ray. Um, yeah, Cote was the man. He, he looked real, real strong in his, in his rookie year with Nashville. And, uh, of course, I'm a big Pat Cote fan because, of course, after he couldn't cross the border anymore and all that stuff, uh, of course, he went back home to Quebec and played in the crazy LNAH with the Laval Chiefs and uh, had some legendary fights over the years in that league and brawls and everything else. And, uh, you know, and uh, his off-ice his off reputation, of course, he was in jail for uh, robbing two banks. He was in there for about uh, 10 years. I believe he's out now, but... Uh, yeah, he has uh, had that up and down, and um, you know it's it's a real, it, you know, in all honesty, it's you know it's a it's a sad sad what's happened uh, to his life outside of hockey, and uh, you know, and his off ice activities have, have I've heard plenty of stories, and we won't go into them now, but uh, yeah, um, but in terms of this list and everything else, um, 
Yeah, I would definitely on the National Predators fight list, uh, enforcer list, I would definitely have him on there. Um, I'm glad she put him on here. Good to see his name. And yeah, Kote, I, I, uh, for those that, uh, if you've never actually gone down the Pat Kote rabbit hole, um, I suggest you do. Uh, you know, not only is Quebec, you know, oh, see, I don't know. yeah, no, seriously, go watch this fight with like Link Gates and Joel Terrio and shit in the LNAH. It's better than any NHL fight you'll watch this year, I can tell you. Um, but not only that, but do check out his NHL fights because Kote was awesome. He was really good. Um, number one. All right, Jordan Tutu. Yeah, all right. We're talking about enforcers, National Tutu. Inevitably, the first name that comes to mind. Predators drafted Tutu 98th overall in the 01 draft. It is NHL debut in 03. A 5-9 played an abrasive game and got under the skin of many opponents. In his tenure with the Predators, Tutu had no fear of dropping the gloves and playing on or past the edge. Tutu still holds the franchise record for penalty minutes of 725. Retired from the league in 2017 with a total of 91 fights to his name. Uh, 61 fights in Nashville. Yeah, uh, Tutu, undersized guy, um, you, you know, like if I, oh, if Kote fought Tutu, do I think Tutu would win? No. But, um, again, I get, it's this whole, how are we wording it? How are we deciding who, who's on the list? Or, you know, like, is it fighting ability? Most fights, what he meant to the team, played here the longest and fought the most, blah, 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 you know, on and on. Um, but yes, Tutu definitely deserves to be on the list. Kote deserves to be on the list. Hordachuk deserves to be on the list. I would put Hordachuk in front of both of those guys. Um, Nashville, Scott Walker, Belak, Grimson. Who else was in Nashville? McGratton, Reed Simpson, Kale Halls. I like Kale Halls. I don't know how much fighting he did in Nashville, though. But I'm pretty sure Kale... I, well, not pretty sure. I know Kale Hulse would have laid a whipping on uh, on Scott Hartnell, Janot, or Austin Watson. I know that. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, hey, Jim McKenzie was in Nashville, too, wasn't he? I don't know for how long, but I'm pretty... I remember him in Nashville. Again, it's like all those guys would lay a beating on these other... The three guys that were first on this list. Um yeah, I mean, I could see two two. At, I'd have Hordachuk at one. Um, well, again, is Hordachuk beating Kote? Um, you know, again, if we're, yeah, but even I don't know, Hordachuk, two two Kote. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have like, I don't know, Walker. How long did Belak play there for? For a season, a bit. I'd Belak there too. I mean, I know Wade, that's where Wade was playing when he dropped Brashear. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, I mean, we could go on all night and debate who, who your five would be. Um, I could see two, two, though. Okay. Um, like I said, I think, what was her honorable mentions again? I can't remember. Go down here. Uh, Borwicki, Hordachuk, Clune, Jeremy Stevenson, Scott Walker, Belak. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, yeah. I mean, all those guys there are better than the, th- the first three guys in your list. So, um, but there we go, folks. That's what, uh, that's what makes the list so fun. Um, yeah, that was an interesting read there with Nashville. Um, yeesh. No. <laughs> All right. But, uh, there we go, folks. Well, oh well, yeah, yeah, I thought it would be a short episode, but my rambling, I ended up getting 50 minutes out of this deal. You know, lucky you. Uh, hey, I have to earn my top badge from the hockey news somehow. 
Oh, that's awful. Oh, and I just laugh. Of course they have to throw in that friggin', was it Dreyfus or whatever his name? What a dork. Yeah, you gotta, even in Enforcer Week, like I said, they gotta throw, they gotta shoehorn in. Like, you just couldn't, like, like I said, you have 51 other weeks that you whine and cry about fighting and don't talk about it. You have one week dedicated to it. You had a couple decent articles about fighting and whatever, but no, you gotta have old, old Glenny there and then get two ex-enforcer crybabies crying about it. Like, oh, okay. Like, you just, just couldn't resist. Like, uh, classic hockey news. Classic. I laugh at they. Oh, they have like podcast. Who would listen to these clowns on their show? Wine. I, I had a, I had a, a friend, a friend, a follower get a hold of me, and we're like, oh yeah, I'm buddies with Jim Thompson, and he said he would do your show. I'm like, I don't want fucking Jim Thompson on my show, but thanks anyway. You think I'm going to give him a platform so he can come on here and cry and tell me how awful fighting is and how they shouldn't do it anymore? And you know, no, you really think I'm going to do that? Like, no. You get. It. I know there's people listening. I know a couple of, and you might still be listening. I know there's a couple of you that probably are friends with Jim Tom. I have nothing against the the guy personally as a person, but I'm not listening to him whine about fighting in hockey. I'm, and I'm certainly not going to put him on my podcast. So that ain't going to happen. But uh, anyway, I digress. There we go, folks. There is another edition. Oh, splendid, isn't it? Um, if you happen to be on social media, check me out, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well, or X, and as well as Facebook. Um, I know I have tossed it out a bunch of times about the Bob Probert tournament. Um, I need to get on that. Um, I am actually going to Las Vegas here at the end of September. So I gotta, I, I have to, cause I want to do a preview show as well. So, and then, uh, so I have to figure out when can I record a preview show start doing the voting tournament and blah, blah, blah. And then do I have enough time before I leave to Vegas? So, uh, I have to figure all that out here and, uh, actually I'll do that tonight. And, uh, so that'll be coming up at some point. Um, uh, talk to a few players. Uh, that is coming up a few interviews, uh, with guys, a couple guys that I want to do five toughest opponents with some returning guests, um, that have already agreed to do it. They just need to sit down and make time. Like I said, now that, uh, September, I have a few more events. After that, September should slow. Like I said, I'm going to Vegas. When I get back from Vegas and we get into October and the fall and stuff, um, you know, the events are over for the summer. School's on. People are back home. People are much more, you know, keeping around the house, that type of thing. Um, there'll be a few more interviews then because I think it'll be easier to get a hold of guys because in the summer, kids are off and they're out at the lake and blah, 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 family vacation. That type of stuff. It's nice out. People don't want to be sitting here doing interviews on the phone out in the sun for two hours. So I, I think once the fall hits, we I should definitely get a couple more uh, for interviews for you guys. So, But anyway, follow me. Uh, as I always say, uh, you know, whatever platform you're listening to it, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, whatever, could uh, it's in your hand. Like I was saying with the phone, it's in your hand. Uh, the little star rating, if you could rate the show, I would greatly appreciate that. Not only for myself, but Joe and Alec, whatever podcast you're listening to, please... Uh, I encourage you to uh, rate and review. Now you don't even have to write a review. Just do the star rating. Because uh, it helps out in the in the algorithms. And uh, as a content creator, that uh, helps us immensely. So little things that you guys can do. Same thing on YouTube. Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,000 videos on there. Um, i got some big stuff coming up on the YouTube channel. I know I've said that, but I do have some good stuff coming. And um, subscribe. 
I have all the leagues on there. Uh, if you happen to watch a video on there again that you enjoy, again, or in any YouTube channel that you're watching, if you enjoy the video you're watching, hit the little thumbs up button there. I know, again, it's cheesy. I get it. But you're holding it and watching it anyway. Again, it helps in the algorithms. It helps the creator. It's the little things as listeners and viewers that you can do that helps us out. So that's my little PSA and download, don't stream. Uh, again, not only for myself, but any show that you, uh, that you happen to listen to and enjoy, that's your way of giving back to the creator. That's the little thing that you can do. Um, and it will be appreciated. But, uh, with that folks, and I always say, uh, I know there's, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, uh, hockey podcast. Well, there's a hundred just on the network, but I know there's, there's numerous hockey podcasts that you can listen to. And, uh, and honestly, the fact that you chose to listen to mine, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, I hope if you're new, um, you've, or you've just listened to the last couple episodes, I encourage you to check out my back catalog, lots of player interviews, lots of topics that we talked about. Like I said earlier with the Semenko thing, um, yeah, we did a Gino Ojik one, a Probert one, all that stuff. I encourage you to go back and interviews with McIntyre and Tedarenko and Morasti and Roman Bopat and Clark Wilm and Jeff Rogers, McAllister, on and on. So check those out. And um, yeah, there we go. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?